Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast, presented by SeatGeek. You'll hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and writers that cover the NFL on a daily basis. The New Orleans Saints podcast starts right now. Here's your host, Aaron Summers. Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Aaron Summers. The Saints have made it clear their goal since the bye week was to go 4-0, and they're just one game away from making that happen. Carolina plays this Sunday, 12 o'clock at the Superdome, so come out, be there, and cheer us on as they try to go 4-0 to end the season. Since week eight, the Saints are 5-4. They rank third in the NFL in points allowed, which is 15 per game first in yards allowed per play, seventh in yards allowed per game, and first in passing yards allowed. I mean, the defense has just been on a tear. While the Saints and the Panthers met earlier this year, it was back in week three, and the Panthers have changed a lot since then. Head coach Matt Rule was fired, CMC was traded to the 49ers, and there's been a quarterback change. Since interim head coach Steve Wilkes took over in week six, things have really improved offensively. Carolina has just a negative one point differential in those games. When Matt Rule was the coach, their point differential was minus 29. Quarterback Sam Darnold has replaced Baker Mayfield. Darnold had been hurt. Baker Mayfield had earned the starting spot anyways. It's been a back and forth thing, but it's been Darnold for a while. He's had career highs since his last five starts here with seven touchdowns, one interception, a quarterback rating of 105.4, and that's second in the NFL. So he's been doing really well. Both teams have been eliminated from postseason play. For the Saints, a win Sunday still means a lot. Here's punter Blake Gilligan. Finishing the season strong could go a long way to, you know, a good feeling in the offseason, OTAs, training camp, stuff like that. Um, and just chemistry in the locker room, feeling in the locker room, I think it's a big deal, regardless of playoffs or not. I know we're officially eliminated, but I think guys are still playing really hard, and you've seen that the last three weeks. Um, and there's no quitting this team. So I think you know, that's kind of the identity of us, this organization, and kind of uh, turning it around with, like we have the last three weeks has been, been really big. For some perspective on the Panthers in their season, I caught up with Panthers play-by-play voice Anish Sharaf. Here's our conversation. Anish, thank you so much for joining me on the New Orleans Saints podcast. It's been a while since we saw the Panthers, all the way back in week three, and and now we're wrapping up the season with them. How are you doing heading into this last regular season game? It's been a wild ride. This is my first year with the Panthers, and uh, from everything I've been told and everything I've been seeing, I, I may not see another season like this again if I'm doing this for 20 years. So uh, it's just been wild. You go back to that week three game, Matt Rule was the head coach. Christian McCaffrey was the running back. Robbie Anderson was still there. Needless to say, a lot has changed. Well, the quarterback situation was different too. Baker Mayfield was the quarterback in that game. Should see Sam Darnold this weekend. How does that change things? How is that dynamic been for the team you know at the end of the day it's it's interesting because when baker came to charlotte when he came to the panthers you know there was all this talk about the baggage that he had from cleveland was he a good teammate how he would do in the locker room and in his time with the panthers he did everything off the field in the locker room in the building his real struggle came on the field Mm -hmm. and if you look at his numbers 
his numbers weren't just bad. They were historically bad. And had the Panthers gotten league average quarterback play, which they've gotten from Sam Donald, they've gotten from PJ Walker. Um, they're probably in first place if they had that all season, but the six games Baker started, he just, yeah, for whatever reason, couldn't put it together on the field. And, um, you know, that ultimately was the undoing of the season. They were one five in the games Baker started. Moving on from Baker, the team has been behind Sam Darnold. How has he settled in? He stabilized the position. Um, you know, the reality was when he got hurt in that last preseason game, and that was after he had lost his job to Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us wondered if we would ever see Sam Darnold take a meaningful snap in a Panther uniform again. Sure. And he kind of was the last option when he was announced as the starter. And you know, we said, all right, let's see what Sam can do. It was <laughs> almost by default, right? It, it didn't mm-hmm. work with Baker. PJ got a little banged up. Sure, let's see what Sam can do. And for the most part, he's played well. But they don't put a ton on his plate. Um, he needs to make four or five throws a game. He can make some plays with his feet. But outside of the Tampa game last week, he has not turned the ball over. That was the first game where he's turned it over. He's managed the game really well. This is a team that's built on running the football. Um, and Sam's been a stabilizing force. Maybe it's the beard. He's growing out <laughs> this beard. He's got this uh, Civil War general look. Um, and, and something has clicked. He, he just seems to be playing – yeah, with more confidence, he's looser. Um, he's letting it cut. Um, it just things with Sam Donald that you didn't see earlier in his career, even last year with the Panthers. When at times he was tentative. Mm-hmm. You use the use the word loose, and that's kind of what the Saints have been saying over the past couple of weeks. Is since the bye, they've just come out and they're just playing football for fun. They're loose. They're they know you know, how the season has gone. They've lost so many close games, and they just wanted to close things out on a high note. So far, they've done that, three straight wins out of the bye. How has the Panthers handled this last stretch? Because, I mean, both of our teams were still in it um, up until last weekend. Yeah, when you look at the NFC South, certainly circumstances had a lot to do with that. But the Panthers, going into Tampa, had won four out of six under Steve Wilkes. They're five and six. And you know, really the first game I give Steve Wilkes a mulligan that was against L.A. on the West Coast short week. He had just been named head coach. So essentially they've been a 500 team. They've played much better. Uh, they've been able to run the football. And you know, th- this team to me probably in reality is closer to a 500 team than what it showed early in the season when they were one and four, one and five. So yeah, I think part of it is finding an identity more than anything. And that's been a big part of you know, the turnaround. Sure. We've heard the, the word momentum around here a lot, kind of momentum heading into the off season. You want to end on a high note. Has that been something that's been talked about with the team there? Well, after the Tampa loss, and you guys know this from an external uh, macro perspective, there's nothing to play for, right? You're mm-hmm. out of the playoffs. You've been eliminated. But the momentum going into the Saints game, it all centers around the, the head coach, the interim head coach, Steve Wilkes. Uh, this is a locker room that wants to win for Coach Wilkes. This is a locker room that wants to see Steve Wilkes be the next full-time head coach. And he certainly has earned consideration. At the end of the day, that's up to the front office. It's up to ownership. But – if you ask anybody in the locker room, it is pretty much unanimous. They're playing the Saints game for Steve Wilkes. They want to win for Steve Wilkes. 
They want to give him one more check mark. So uh, before we get into any of the momentum in terms of what you want to take into the offseason, the biggest thing for this team in this locker room is they want to take Steve Wilkes into the offseason and in the next offseason, and they feel if they can win this final game, that's a big step in that direction. Has there been any talking about when that decision might be made? Well, since he's an internal candidate, they still have to check off some NFL protocol rules. So uh, even though Steve Wilkes is an African-American, the Rooney rule would not apply to him. So you couldn't just lift the tag and say he's going to be your next head coach. They would still have to go through the process, interview two minority candidates, um, and then other candidates if they chose uh, to do so. So I I would imagine, you know, it's something they would want to get settled pretty quickly once the regular season ends, just so you have a vision and you have an alignment, especially leading into the draft. Sure. This team, the Panthers, they've they've been different. They've definitely moved through some personnel, you know, without Christian McCaffrey. They still have been able to find their their run game. I mean, Chuba Hubbard and Deontay Foreman have been electric at times. Where is the consistency going to come from in the run game? Well, it starts up front, and I know that's the cliche, but this offensive line has been a real strength. Uh, Bradley Bozeman at center since he took over for Pat Elfline, who got hurt, uh, has been a difference maker. The right side doesn't get talked about a lot. Veterans in Austin Corbett and Taylor Moten, they have been rock solid all season. And then the young guys on the left side, Iki Aquano, the first-round pick, Brady mm-hmm. Christensen, a third-round pick a year before, you know, they continue to get better and better. The, the new coaching staff, or I should say Steve Wilkes when he took over, you know, identified the O-line as one of the biggest strengths on this offense, so they catered this offense around that offensive line, and they felt they could be a power-running team. Uh, you look at the Detroit game a couple of weeks ago, they ran for a franchise record 321 yards, Foreman and Hubbard both set a career high. So when the run game is working, that's the formula. Uh, If you look at the last few wins, they're running the ball 45 times a game (laughs) in those wins. If they can get to 35-plus rush attempts, uh, they've got a great shot to win. I mean, I don't need to tell tell you guys this. Obviously, the Saints have struggled with the run defense at times and are very, very good as far as pass defense goes. They're third in the league there. So, yeah, I mean, it seems like it'll be a key factor in this matchup. What other areas do you think are going to be key for the Panthers to focus in on if they want to be successful Sunday? Well, one big area is going to be how to defend the pass. Um, they're banged up in the secondary. Mm-hmm. Dante Jackson tore his Achilles midseason. He's out for the year. And then J.C. Horn broke his wrist uh, toward the end of the Detroit game. He didn't play against Tampa Bay. So you go up against Tom Brady, you're down two corners. And if you watch the game, Mike Evans scored three touchdowns. They were all on go routes. They beat Keith Taylor. They beat... C.J. Henderson, there's a significant drop-off from J.C. Horn and Jackson to those two, and it's created it's created a vulnerability. Um, I think if this game was for a playoff spot, maybe J.C. Horn puts a, a club on his wrist and is able to go, but they placed him on IR, which was the wise move. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the secondary right now is a question mark. Um, there's just not a lot of depth. Taylor and Henderson and their opportunities this year have been inconsistent. And then Jeremy Chin missed six weeks with a hamstring injury and, and he just hasn't been himself and hasn't been as consistent as we're used to seeing from him. So yeah, pass defense is a concern. 
Um, you know, they're, they're strong up front. They're strong on the defensive line. And then in the passing game, you know, can somebody outside of D.J. Moore step up? Uh, that's going to be an area I'm sure they'll address in the offseason. But the tight ends have been inconsistent catching the ball at times. Uh, there really hasn't been a number two receiver. Terrace Marshall will make a wow play, uh, maybe one every week, and then you don't hear from him for a couple of quarters. So you know, those are the two big questions that they have. I mean, you, you mentioned the, the defensive line. Brian Burns has been incredible this season. What have you liked about his game? Well, he just continues to get better and better. Getting to 10 sacks was a big deal for him this year. He's never gotten to 10 sacks. Uh, he comes into this game with an outside shot at the franchise record for single-season sacks, which is 15. Burns is at 12 and a half. And what's helped, uh, not just Burns, but everybody on the D-line, is Derek Brown in the interior of that D-line has gone from a guy who you thought was an okay starter to a bona fide star. Uh, Brown's been one of the breakout candidates this year. He set the team record for most tackles for a defensive tackle. Um, he had a game against Atlanta this year where he had 12 tackles. He's blown up plays. He gets double teamed now. He opens things up. And the last two weeks, it's been promising. On the other end, Yitor Gross Matos has played his best football. Uh, he'd been a non-factor for most of the season. They expected more out of him. 97 is a guy to watch. He's playing pretty well right now. I appreciate all of the insight. What else do you have going on? Because I know you're always hopping around different sports, <laughs> college, pro. Well, as I speak to you, I'm in a uh, hotel in Blacksburg, Virginia, just having done uh, Virginia Tech Clemson basketball last night. So things slow down a little bit with college football uh, about to end its season on Monday. Uh, and then it's just basketball, and then obviously our season ends on Sunday. So uh, a little bit of a chance to catch my breath in January, but it has been, uh, it's been a busy fall. Yeah, I bet. Who is your pick for the, the college football champion? Um, I think it's going to be Georgia by a landslide. I just don't know if TCU can hold up in the trenches. Jalen Carter might be paying rent in the TCU backfield. Uh, the Georgia run games. Stetson Bennett uh, has made big plays in big games. Uh, I, I just don't see Georgia losing. Well, don't don't tell anybody around here that because Andy Dalton is he's going to do everything <laughs> he can. He said to get to that game on Monday night. Well, listen, you know Andy Dalton's found a little bit of a second win in his career with the Saints too. So I yeah. think a lot of folks thought he might have been done. His career was probably uh, over. He, he might have parlayed you know these last few games into uh, at least a contract somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, he, he's been very steady for the Saints. I, there's been a couple moments with the turnovers, some interceptions, but over the last stretch here, he's done very, very well moving the offense. So we've been happy to have him here, and I look forward to seeing you this weekend. It's been a little yeah, while. Hopefully, hopefully we can see each other in person and, and look forward to it as well. All right, sounds good. Thank you so much for the time. I appreciate it. Have a good rest of the week. You got it. Great stuff from Anish. As he said, this game means a lot to the Panthers as well, and we expect the black and gold to come out for another fun game this Sunday. The Saints will finish second in the NFC South if they beat Carolina or tie, and third if they lose. Atlanta would finish fourth in a three-way tie at 7-10. and 10. Just today, the NFL announced that all teams this weekend will show their support of Bill Safety DeMar Hamlin through a moment of silence pregame. Fields will be painted, and teams will be wearing shirts pregame. The Bills also will be wearing a number three jersey patch. Fans, clubs, and players have been incredibly generous in support of DeMar's GoFundMe fundraiser. 
A fund has been established by his family at the Giving Back Fund, and donations can now be made directly visiting ChasingMsFoundation.com. So that's ChasingMsFoundation.com. The Saints and Pelicans themselves made a generous donation to the New Orleans Community Thursday as automated external defibrillators will be provided to the New Orleans Recreational Department and Jefferson Paris Recreation Department, 40 NORD facilities and 27 JPRD facilities will receive AEDs, including 35 parks, three baseball fields, and two football facilities. It's just an amazing thing that Gail Benson and the organizations are doing for the community here. And it's been awesome to hear of the progress of Hamlin over the past few days. We're continuing to keep him in our thoughts and our prayers. Looking forward to our last home game of the 2022 season Sunday. I will see you all there at the Superdome. It's a 12 o'clock kick. You can watch it on Fox if you can't make it out. Go Saints! Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. Join us three times per week on NewOrleansSaints.com, the Saints mobile app, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek.